All right. Hello and welcome to Artificially Intelligent, uh, conversations had by a black musician in Philadelphia and a white comedian in the flyover state of Iowa. Uh, the black musician is my good friend, Antar Barrett Antar Goodwin. We've known each other for more years than should be allowed. And that's the preface. I'm Nathan Timmel. So, um, yeah. We, we, we have three things we can talk about. One is I, I sent an email to myself last week at the end of the show. We started on another trap, uh, another set of tracks. And I said, well, we've been on for an hour. Let's, uh, let's talk about that next week. But then, you know, life happens. And I sent you a news article and possibly touch on that. But the first thing I want to talk about is um, I should have researched this. There's a song breaking up is hard to do. Who sings it? The the Shirelles? No, I don't know. I, I got a I got a couple of friends going through uh, breakups, and mm-hmm. it's f- not funny, but it's funny because I, I, I want to talk about one of them. Um, he said he he told me two things, and I told him one thing in response, and I held one thing back because I figured it'd be inappropriate to say. Mm-hmm. He said that um, he was trying to maintain a positive attitude. And my response was don't because the best way to heal during a breakup is to just allow yourself to feel whatever emotions you're feeling, but to acknowledge them. Don't just sit in a funk. If you're angry, say, okay, I'm feeling anger. Uh, Oh, now I'm feeling sad. Now I'm feeling rejected. Whatever you feel, acknowledge it so that you can process it. If you try and just put on a, a, you know, happy face and ignore it, it's just going to drag it out. What I didn't say was uh, the second thing he said to me was this came out of the blue. This is this, is, this mm-hmm. was a bomb that was dropped on me. And I didn't say, no, it wasn't. Because he's probably not ready to hear it. But every relationship I've been in that has ended, as, as you know, I got dumped. <laughs> I, I never mm-hmm. broke up with anybody. I always got dumped. Mm-hmm. And in the moment, you feel like, oh, how could this have happened? But deep down inside, you kind of know why it happened, mm-hmm. especially when you look back on maybe the last six months of the relationship or the entire relationship. You see all the warning signs and the red flags. You, 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 mm-hmm. it's, it's never a surprise. It's everything you ignored or didn't want to acknowledge. And, you know, I, I would find myself going, oh, yeah, you know, that that should have been a problem right there. or That was a red flag or. So going off those two thought, thoughts, uh, allowing yourself to feel and process your emotions, and there are red flags all throughout bad relationships. What are your thoughts just going off those two? And then we can just, we can go off and running from that point. I feel like in most of my relationships it ended, whether I ended it or someone else ended it, it always came, if I was the one who ended it, it came at the point at which I felt that there was nothing more that could be done that I hadn't already tried, that I was out of options, you know? Like breaking up for me was always the la- a last resort. It was not a first resort. I know for some people, like I know people who just went through relationships, you know, and just yeah. had tons of them. And I had a handful, but they were, I was like a, a serial monogamous, you know? Same. And so, you know, like breaking up for me, 
when it happened, yeah, most of them, when it happened, I was almost glad, you know, like, like she, she almost, she'd beat me to a place like she'd beat me there, but only by a few months, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I was headed there too, you know what I mean? She just, you know, I, I mean, particularly the older ones as I got older, you know, like very few of those came out of the blue, you know, even, and, and the ones that I ended, it did come out of the blue for one of them, but I don't know why. You know what I mean? It's kind of like what you're talking about. Like, like well, let me when, let me interrupt quickly. Yeah. I wasn't going to talk about this. I mean, it's not my place to talk about this. I, I have two friends that are going through breakups. I think, or did I say that already? I said I was going to talk about one of them. The other one, my other friend did pull the trigger. And I asked the question, well, did you just drop a bomb? Or did you say, hey, I've been having these thoughts. I think we should try and work on these things or counseling or whatever. And he said, no, I just dropped the bomb. And I said, are you sure that's fair? And then when he explained, like you said, this was the end of everything. This was the last resort. It's not like it just one day he woke up and said, I'm done. I mean, this this had been a long time coming. And, you know, you, you could argue it's unfair to just drop that bomb. But the, the partner will have to know that, yeah, these. But the whole point was, like you said, nothing more could be done at that point. The breakup yeah. is absolutely the right thing to do. And after hearing the reasons, I'm like, yeah, you you would probably you could probably sway a jury with that in court. Now, there are two sides to every yeah. story, but I think the other side, having received the news, you're always unhappy up front. You're always shocked and in denial and blamey and pointing figure fingers and OK, well, you're doing this. This is your fault. It's all on you. Every And then, like I said, you'll ease into acceptance and understanding and OK. So I, I, I hear you when you say it's the last thing, it's, it's not the last straw, but you're out of options. It's at a certain stage. Yeah. I, I find that for me, and this is like, I don't know about what your buddy was, how he did it, but for me, it was always like, Hey, like, like these things would come up, you know what I mean? They'd be the things that we would argue about, or they would come up or something would happen. And Right. It was like there were just things. It was just like, good lord, like this again. Like, and it was like, man, I thought like, like for, you know, and in retrospect, it's hard. You know, like life is hard sometimes. Yeah. Like, I mean, and it hurts. Pain is real. Emotional pain is real. But I mean, like, life is hard all the time. Mm. And it's also easy all the time. And it's also a lot of things all the time. It's just kind of what you choose to focus on, you know? But, like, being a young person and being in relationships and figuring out who you are and while also trying to be coupled up with all the societal pressures and stuff, like, it's not easy, you know? Like, in retrospect, I can look back at that and I can see that some of the things that I was asking her to to do were things she needed to do, but there were also things I needed to do, you know? And some of the fights that I had with some of my girlfriends, they were right. 
I could see that now. You know what I mean? I couldn't see it then. You know, and that's part of the problem is that like, like we, we, for me, the last straw was a point at which I felt like these problems were things that could be fixed with a little bit of energy. And they weren't willing to put the energy in to fix the problems, right? And for me, I can, I can remember, though, that there were times in which they would ask me to do things and it was my ego that I couldn't get past to, to do them, you know, that in subsequent relationships, I did do them and they were really the right thing to do. And I did them happily, you know? And so part of it is just like, again, like I feel like it's hard to be a young person in love, you know what right. I mean? It's, it's just not easy. You not know even I mean? young. Like, I mean, one of these guys is young. The other out. is our age. I mean. Yeah. But I mean, like, but I mean, I think that you're always trying to figure it out. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just like, like, I think we're capable of something really amazing if we can just get past our egos and we can just get past that stuff. And I know it sounds ridiculous. Like, like this could tie right into the other conversation like magic watch this you know because i feel like every religious leader has talked about it for years in every one of the books that there's something inside of us that could be amazing if we would somehow let go of certain things right we would be able to do that and people used to learn that in church but oddly enough i heard they're not going to church that much these days well, that was the other topic. Um, I'm kidding. We don't have to go down there. We, we can. I just, I just thought it was funny. It is funny. Um, the topic uh, that, that he's hinting at is for the first time in American history, more people do not belong to a religious institution such as a mosque or uh, a church or any, any form of, um, than do. I think it's something like 47 to 53%. It was always... At the at its peak, eighty percent of people went to a church or something. But now, fifty three percent of Americans don't have a religious. They they might say they're casual Christians or casually religious, but they don't go on the regular. And I mean, we we can talk about that. Um, but I want to circle back to two thoughts. I I my wife and I had a, a an argument um, the other night, and it was really productive and. I don't think she and I, and that's probably hopefully knock on wood why this marriage works. I don't think we've ever had an argument that wasn't resolved where we went to bed angry or frustrated or just, all right, well, we're not going to talk about this now. We, you know, it was, it it was maybe a, okay, so how do I put this? I'm going to make this up because I can't really remember. Say it was a 30 minute conversation it was 10 minutes of good, and then we slipped into 10 minutes of argument because there was a miscommunication within the first 10 minutes, and then 10 minutes of good at the end. So we we talked, we had an issue, so we bumped heads. This is, wait, you did this, I did this, you did that, you know, like pointing fingers. And by the end of that 10 minutes, oh, okay. And then we continued the conversation on a good path, and then, you know, we were... and. 
this is stupid to say, but communication is key. It's when it comes to these arguments or not just arguments, when it comes to problems and any relationships, like you said, you have the same argument over and over. Well, if nothing gets resolved, why are you having the same argument? And the thing with my wife and I, this argument we had was something we've talked about in the past. And so, so I'm, again, I'm just trying to spitball here because I hadn't thought of it going into this podcast. Say on a scale of one to 10 of arguments, maybe a year ago, it was a 10 and now it's a five. Like it keeps getting reduced. It doesn't elevate. If you're in a longstanding relationship where the same thing keeps coming over and over and it gets worse and worse because you're not dealing with it, that's a bad sign. With my wife and I, it's, we got in the argument. She's like, Hey, remember we've had this argument before. Oh yeah, we have. Well, what do we do about it? Oh yeah, this. Oh, okay. Now we've come to a meeting point and we moved on. And hopefully the next time we bump up against this because you know, life is cyclical. We're, we're not automatically perfect people. We will argue again, but hopefully next time it will be a three and you just keep, keep going until it's out of the system. And again, spitballing here, making this all up. I think that could be a sign of a healthy relationship versus a damaged one. The idea of every time you argue about the same thing, does it get worse and worse? Or do you come to a resolution quicker because you realize, oh, we've had this talk. Now we're, we're, we're moving together. What do you, what do you think of that bullshit that just popped into my head? I think you're, I think you're right. I, I think that um, one, I think, yeah, communication is a big part of it. And I think that the idea of, being able to have accountability. It sounds like like your wife said, hey, we've had this argument before. And it's like, right, and this is how we solved it last time. This is how we resolved. It's like, oh yeah. And both of you were able to like, she was able to call it out fast enough, like before it got to a point at which it spiraled out of control. Right. You know? Right. Like because and that might have been what used to happen, maybe it used to spiral out of control. And what took 30 minutes and it was 10 minutes of good, 10 minutes of bad, 10 minutes of good was maybe like 90 minutes. And it was like 10 minutes of good. And or we'd have and, to part and, ways where she'd know, go into the bedroom or, OK, time out where we'd have to just go to right. our separate corners because we're, we're yeah, too heated. Absolutely. Right. And now right. we didn't have any. Yeah. Good call. Right. Exactly. And, and it's just, you know, so I think that it's, it really is some kind of evolution because it's true. If you don't. This is, again, it comes down to the ego stuff. It really yeah. does. Like, it comes down to that. Like, it comes down to realizing that, like, in every argument, you can start it. Right? Like, I, like you and I might have talked about this, or maybe even on the podcast. Like, I can remember driving home and having an imaginary argument with my girlfriend at the time, you know? Like, driving back to our place and having an imaginary argument in my head because I was running a little bit late, you know, and I was going to have to hear it again about how I'm always blah, 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 and all this other stuff. And just running these, just these psychodramas in my brain. Right. So and then I get, let me, mm-hmm. so if you were prepared, if you walked through the door, if she would say, A, you would have B come back ready. Is that what you're right, saying? Absolutely. I okay. have, I'd know exactly how to handle because because again, when you've had the same arguments a thousand times, you do know how the person's gonna respond. Yeah. And you can arguably do it. The thing is that when I got home, all I did was 
no matter what she said, I maneuvered us into a I maneuvered us into a place where she started the argument that I was thinking we were supposed to have anyway. You know what I mean? Right. And I could make it look like it was her fault because you know exactly how to do that. Like if you wanted to go start an argument with Lydia right now and you wanted to make it be all her fault, you could do that and it would take you no effort whatsoever. Right, you know exactly what buttons to push to have her say something that is out of line, so you have a right to be pissed off. You know to get hurt I mean? feelings and say, "I can't believe right. you said that," but exactly. I pushed the buttons. Right, right, exactly. And and she might even feel bad afterwards. And you started it. And you know that's, you that's called have... gaslighting, isn't it? I think something right. But like I that. mean, but but I mean, I think we do it to each other unconsciously. I don't think we do it consciously. And then we do it unconsciously. And again, man, we get a medal for this because I'm so damn brilliant. Um, I think it's because we put too much pressure on relationships. We put pressure on them in a way that is unfair in the way, because there's other things that are supposed to deal with that. Like, Like relationships have become, for most people, have become our new religion. And they have to be perfect and they have to do this and they have to do this and they're going to solve all my problems and all like literally relationship, a good relationship is like God, like, oh God, that's going to so like get so taken out of context one day. No, no, I hear you. I was going to disagree for a second because I'll, I'll, I'll do a, a, an improv trick. The yes and where you always agree and expand. <laughs> yes, I do think relationships are the new religion and, and a good relationship is God. Uh, when it comes to pressure, I think all too often we put too much pressure on the other person to, I don't want to say salvage the relationship, but keep the relationship going. Sometimes we tend to forget that it's a power balance. It, you know, 50, 50, oh, 55, 45, 60, 40, but back to 50, 50. But if it runs at 70, 30 constantly, it's going to fail because that's a power yeah. imbalance. And yeah, so we, we put, we, we put relationships on a, up on a pedestal. We, we read too much. We, we put too much faith in them. We believe that, oh, if I just get in a relationship, it will solve all my other problems and then the onus is on the other person to be what we want them to be, not what they are. And that is mm -hmm. very problematic when we, yes. yeah, I'm not going to say any different from that. When, when we want them to be what we want them to be instead of who they are. And I trying to think here, I've been guilty of that, but I've also been, I don't want to say the victim on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that it goes both ways. I think that we want that from them and they want that for us. Like what yeah. we really want is someone who validates the person we want to feel like we are, you know? And That's the person, goddamn insightful. And yeah, and, and I think, you know, the person somehow supports that. And when they do something that doesn't support that, that's a problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because... And it's generally some part of ourselves that we don't want to look at. It's not some part that doesn't exist. It's just a part that we chose that we're not going to look at. You know what I mean? And that is, I think, why relationships can sometimes offer the most growth. Because they force you to see the parts of yourself that you are unwilling to look at. Because your partner, 
like, all right, I'll tell you a quick story if it's not too much of a tangent. Go um, for it. When I had a studio in Hoboken, one of my friends um, had a studio space there and he was having issues with his girlfriend. And so, and they lived together, they lived together for a while. And so we're talking about it and he said, you know, I get really mad at her though. And then I, then I, she just pushes my buttons and I get mad and then I blow up on her. And, you know, cause you know, I get my temper from my father and I, I need to work on it, you know? And I said, well, if you think you're blowing up on her is irrational, then you should just practice it. He goes, what am I supposed to do that? And he was a musician. So I was like, man, this, I, and I said, you know, when you learned when you were learning how to play your instrument, you did all these exercises and did all this stuff. I said, man, like, listen, you're in a relationship with a woman. You'll have ample time to practice patience. I promise you. <laughs> but, Even something as not as innocuous as that is going to get us canceled. Oh, being sexist no, now. Women are no, but no. I mean, I know, and, and, I know, and I, and, I, and I really did immediately. I really did immediately follow it up with, and her too, right? Right, because right. Just being in relationship with another person like you and i being roommates is an opportunity for us to fucking practice patience do you know what i mean like us being friends us being podcast partners right it's just like like if you have an issue to work on you will find that your life will give you many opportunities to practice that thing you will find that that's what it is and a relationship to me will do that the most it will do that on the deepest level. It will give you an opportunity to see the parts of yourself that you struggle hardest not to see. And if you're willing to pay attention to them, a good relationship can be something where you can grow immensely. You know, if especially you're to when it gets to, and I'm not knocking, you know, relationships are all good, but you know, there's boyfriend, girlfriend, we each have our own space. Okay. That's still a relationship. It's still tough. There's partner, boyfriend, or boyfriend, boyfriend, whatever. There, there, there are relationships where you live together. Okay. Now you're right on top of one another. Then there's marriage where you've added this, uh, legal, uh, aspect to it with a contract. Financial. Yeah. I mean, so it gets, yeah, you have ample practice and that's, that's why I, make the joke sometimes, uh, but it's a truism. The earlier you get married in life, the greater the chance it will fail because I I make the joke about people getting married in their twenties. Oh, that's your starter marriage. Good for you. Because fuck, if I had been married in my twenties, my first relationship in my twenties that I learned so much from us, like the power imbalance shit, like, Oh yeah, if I'm giving 70%, no wonder if like it, 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 it helped me immensely being in a damaging relationship. Every one of my relationships, the good and the bad, brought me to a point where now, knock on wood, I am married and will be for, you know, a very long time until death. I mean, yeah. anything can happen. But like I said, we, we seem to be. And, and I, I'm getting better. I was just I'm not going to go on about my marriage. I'm just saying that everything I failed at in life has hopefully taught me something. And I'm still failing at things and hopefully I'm still learning things. I don't have all the answers. I'm not an expert in anything, but I, I hopefully like the other night took that as an opportunity to have a really meaningful, good discussion with my wife during, and especially after the argument section where it wasn't, neither one of us was yelling. We were just sort of very tense with one another. 
Um, and yeah, I, it's, it's on my mind because it just happened, but it was a great learning experience. I, and I like that because I think in your twenties, you tend to run from those experiences because you don't like them. If someone shines a spotlight on the parts of you, you don't like looking at, then it's easy to just not easy, but you know, you break up, you move on to the next relationship. I'm in my twenties. What am I going to do? You have very little accountability. Yeah. 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 It's, it's an interesting thing because like the way that you and your wife handle something like that, it's the kind of tools that you learn from therapy and things like that. You know what I mean? Like, like, I don't know many people who have not been in some kind of program that taught them how to think differently, right? Whether it was a military thing, an intense college class, a therapy thing, an AA thing, you know what I mean? Some a Scientology thing, our favorite. Sci- right, Save both of us. Scientology thing, right, exactly. Oh, Ron. Right. <laughs> Take you by surprise with that one. Sorry. (laughs) Well, like, I I feel like those, I feel like we're not raised to think that way. We're not raised to be accountable. We're raised Hmm. to pretend we're accountable. I mean, like everybody says, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, but they really mean you do that. Not me. You know what I mean? Like, I should be, I work hard and I deserve X, Y, and Z. I was getting into an argument with somebody the other day about whether about dogs, about their dog got attacked by another dog. And they said these kinds of dogs shouldn't be allowed off leashes. And I was like, well, there's leash logs for all dogs. Yeah, but my dog is fine because my dog is well-trained and my dog should be allowed off the leash because my dog is harmless. This dog is harmful. You know, and I was like, well, okay, but, you know, there's leash laws for everybody for a reason, you know, because all dogs bite and all fish have bones. Like, that's just how it is, right? Your dog may not bite today, but all dogs bite because that's what they have those teeth for, right? And it's like, but that's not what we want. What we want is for everybody else to keep their dog on a leash and we're allowed to keep our dog off the leash. But, you know, but everybody else is an asshole and we deserve the freedoms. We should be able to run the stop signs and run the red lights and go 15 miles over the speed limit because we're good drivers. Right. But everybody else is an idiot. Everybody else cuts us off. But when we cut somebody off, that person's an asshole for not understanding that we didn't mean to do it. It's not our fault. Don't get mad at us. But when somebody cuts us off, I mean, like, we're trained to, like, you know, to be judgy and shitheads and not be accountable for ourselves. We're trained to justify everything we do. Right. As being right. Like, it's 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 a kind of arrogance that we have, that we have this thing where it's like, I think it, therefore it must be true. Right. Like, and it's like, oh, and that goes good and bad. Right. Like we think shitty things about ourselves and think, well, yeah, that must be true because I think it because I'm so fucking smart. It's like, really, if you're so smart, you wouldn't be in all this goddamn trouble. Right. right. So, also, should you really trust yourself? <laughs> and I don't mean that in a mean way. I mean that in an honest way. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, you know, like, like we believe that our opinions are so fucking right. And our thoughts are so fucking like 
divinely inspired, you know? And they're not. They're based on a, a, a fucking a, um, a compilation of our fucking shitty childhood traumas, our upbringing, the fucking the memories we hold on to and how we've distorted them vastly over the years. You know I mean? And, and our egos. And the, our, right. you get our ego right. involved yeah, and right. it's I, all I mean, bets are right. off. Yeah, like how we interpret each, how we interpret our memories and interpret the things that happen to us in a way that makes our ego feel justified. It's like, that's what our thoughts and beliefs are based on. They're based on that. They're not based on facts. No facts here. Nope. <laughs> like, this nonsense. They've done you know? memory study after memory study after memory study, and they all say the same thing. As soon as it goes into our brain, our ego gets involved to protect us. Yeah. And like you just said, it right. distorts and it manipulates, not because it's evil, not because we're actively thinking like, ooh, I'm going to make sure that uh, in that fight I was the victim. It's just that our brain is unconsciously protecting us. And then yeah. a year later, hey, remember that fight? Oh, yeah, I didn't start that. What? You know, I mean. Oh, dude. It's so funny you say that. I was like, were you about to say something? No, no. I just, I okay. was just confirming right. what you said. All right. No, I, I, I feel like I'm running on at the mouth. So that's no, fine. Whatever. The more you but, talk, um, the less I have to. Ah, <laughs> I, I had a conversation with a nice girlfriend a couple weeks ago, and I remember why we broke up, and I remember what I told her. I felt like she was not taking care of some responsibilities because she had a habit of letting men be her main focus and not taking care of the really important things she needed to in her life. Right. Like real responsibilities. If you were her man, care. wouldn't that be a good thing? <laughs> right. And I mean, so you were dating well, her that used that to your advantage. Well, the, well, that was a problem. I was like, listen, you're really, you keep giving up your life for these men and now you're doing that for me. But then when everything is over, you blame the fact that you didn't get done the things that you really needed to get done, done because of some man. I'm like, I'm not going to be that guy. Go and go. Would you be an all altruistic? I was like, Riley, go take care of your shit, you know? And this was years ago. So I talked to her and she goes, yeah, and I remember us breaking up and you just couldn't handle being in a relationship and you just, I had to let you go be free and just be the musician because you wanted to tour and do all this stuff. And I was like, oh, that's so not how I remember it. I was like, and, and now listen, maybe I'm equally as deluded as she is, right? And maybe I was like, fuck you, bitch. I'm going on the road, man, you know? But I don't remember it that way. I remember looking at her and thinking, wow, she's like making a mess of her life because she wants to be here with, with me. Well, she lived like three, four, three states away. You know what I mean? And I was like, this is Oh, in New like... Jersey, that can be 10 minutes, though. Right, exactly. You, Delaware, Connecticut, and yeah, uh, I mean, Pennsylvania, you're all, like New York, you're all tucked into one another. Yeah, it's a nice little, nice little loop that we have going here. But, you know, I was just like, you know, this is not okay. Like, you have stuff to do. And that's how I remember it. And she remembers it as 
her having to be the altruistic one and let me be free because I needed to go do my music thing. And she didn't want to do that. You know what I mean? And I'm like, right. Like, like we distort this stuff because I swear to you, I'm telling the truth. And she would swear to you, she's telling the truth. And we're probably both right. You know hmm. what I mean? Right. Like, I know for a fact I got dumped every time. So I, I will, mean, <laughs> I will, I will hand on my Bible, go to my memories of, of the end of those relationships. But I mean, but I, I mean, I know that like in this particular, but I mean, but you might not remember it the way they remember. It. Oh, absolutely. If, I'm sure we have different. Like the uh, way they remember it may be very differently than the way you, you know. Here's the and, good thing about my uh, shitty memory though, is I tend to take, you know, keep diaries, journals, and notes, and then I write about them. So I, for quite a while, had what the kids call receipts. I don't think I have many more other than what I translated into books and tales and other things mm -hmm. than that. But I, I kept pretty good notes of what was going on uh, for a while. I had well, quotes like, you I know, mean, so. You, you kept good notes of your, your interpretation of what was going on. Well, when you do it in the moment, I, you know, well, sure. True, right. true. Guilty, guilty. But I still got dumped. I, I, I only say that I only say that because like uh, one of my friends was reading to me out of one of her her journals from like seventh grade, and I remember finding like you know we had we like almost every English class I had made us keep journals, right? Even if they they never read them, they just made sure we were writing them. And I found some of the stuff, and I've looked at my my accurate representation of what was going on. And I was like, oh. That's not really what was going on. There. <laughs> I mean, like, in maybe it was. Maybe you like, want to remember it incorrectly it as an adult, right? And that could be true too. That's the thing, man. Like at the end of the day, this stuff is so ridiculous. It is really about. It is a kind of religion. It's what you choose to believe, right? Like I, somebody asked me the other day about religion because uh, I was like, you know, religion could be the thing that saves the country or the world if, if applied appropriately. And they said, what religion would you do it with? I said, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, like with each one of you, you have to choose to be blind to the stuff that makes it completely absurd, right? So just pick the one that you have the least things you need to, to be like, ooh, nope, <laughs> you know, you choose that one <laughs> because pretty much all of them have pretty heinous things in their past, some heinous things in their present, and and all, all kinds of shenanigans throughout the years. So just, you know, which, you know, which one has the least amount of those? And I feel like that's how we live our lives. You know what I mean? Like just willfully being blind to certain things about our personality. Well, I was just going to say, usually about ourselves. Like yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, well, it's, it's, it's a religion, you know? Let, let's segue into that other topic. Um, the, the idea that fewer people are going to, we'll just say church. It can be anything. It can be synagogue. It can be, uh, what's what's the Muslim no, one? How, how about, no, that's the leader. A mosque. Mosque, Mos the mosque, mosque, temple, church. Yeah. Like let's that. just we use the word church because everybody understands it. Oh, let's say houses of worship and everybody's happy. It's too politically correct for me. <laughs> <laughs> See, I look at it. I look at houses as worship. When I say church, that's what I mean because it's a blanket statement. Because I don't give a fuck. And I know, I know every individual religion likes to to talk about their house of worship as being what it is. So it's like when I say uh, 
everyone should be interested in Christmas. And people say, well, I'm Jewish. I'm not. I'm like, yeah, but I don't mean you have to worship Jesus. I'm just saying, look at Christmas as a time of year, like that everybody likes. Don't worry about like get rid of the religious aspect. And that's what I say with church is, is yeah, don't worry about the religious aspect of church. Just, you know, a house of worship that happens to be called a church because it's easiest. doesn't make sense, but you know, I'm. Well, I mean, oh God, man, you're going to make me go to this place. This, This is arguably, this is what people would call a kind of supremacy. It's like, let me decide what the term is that everybody should use for something. It's like, you know what I mean? Yes. Because it's like, if you, you know, it's like. If okay, coming from a place of the church is always right and the church is better than the synagogue, I'm saying it from a point well, of apathy of, I don't feel like learning about anything. Right, <laughs> I'm saying I mean, it from but, a point but of. That's, that's right. But that's, but like, it, it gets in, 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 and I know you don't mean anything by it, right? That's the thing. It's like, but, to, but. It, it gets interpreted as well, right. why not just say then it's Hanukkah season or Kwanzaa season if you're just going to pick a word or just say whatever. If you won't say if you say it's Christmas time, but you won't say it's holiday time, why does it have to be Christmas? Right? I, like, I think it's, like it's that, beaten into my head as a kid. I actually wrote an article right. that said, let's take the Christ out of Christmas and just call it Christmas without Jesus. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I mean, here it is. But oh, only to Christians wrong. I am. I'm only an ass to Christians. You're not wrong. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, like there's that there's that meme where the the cat was, has the glasses, and the cat goes, "When you say religion should be taught in school, is that all religions or oh, just yours?" Right. Right. And it's funny because it's like, right? Like at the end of the day, you know, we grew up in a Judeo-Christian world. Like all my references, all that's what I mean. Like. When people say Christmas time, I don't think Jesus. I don't think religion. I think presents and trees and, Same. Yeah. and bright lights and shit like that. When, like, you know, our calendar is based on Christian stuff, I'll say Jesus Christ, you know, <laughs> in a moment of fit. Like, I, you know, I, I don't, I mean, like, all the references and all of our fairy tales and myths, like, it's all judeo-christian mythology woven into the stuff that we like well i mean mean, you know like christianity and judea that's all a myth too i mean it's just the most popular one but this is what i mean it's like like the stuff is woven into all of our it's just popular culture right it's like you just watch it and you you can understand Like, I understand why white people feel like they're under attack sometimes when I watch modern television shows, because I watch older television shows, even just from 10 years ago, you know, and the the kind of anti-Muslim, black people are gang members, all this stuff was just... It was just a thing. It was just normal, right? It was just like a normal thing that like everybody else is the other and this is who they are. And there's always like tokens and stuff, you know? And it's really kind of cool. But now I watch TV and I see something very different. You know what I mean? Like I see something in which like like, I get it, because when I watched those old TV shows, I didn't recognize it. I just watched them, and it just kind of annoyed me when I would watch it, 
but well, I would still watch them. Do you know can what we mean? break it down by decade though? Because I think the seventies yeah. were fairly good, and then the eighties maybe okay, and the nineties got worse, and now it's getting better again. Because I, I go back to movies like Smokey and the Bandit and the Warriors. You remember the Warriors? I mean, mm-hmm. that was a fully integrated gang system. Absolutely. I mean, and it was just, it looked and felt normal. It didn't look like, oh, now you have to have a token black person. Now you need a token white person. Like today, like you said, it's a token. And Smokey and the Bandit, same thing. When when Snowman goes into that cafe, it's like, oh yeah, this is just the cafe. And his friends are, or they threw an Asian driver and an Asian truck driver that felt completely normal. They didn't have, give him a name like, hey, this is, uh, you know, White Rice Express, Ching Chong, Ching Chong. He just like, hey, Smokey, this, and he happened to be Asian. He just happened to be Asian, but he spoke and he was just a truck driver. And it just felt like a multicultural movie, even though yes. the, the essence of it was white with Burt Reynolds. And, all. and I think that somewhere along the way, like my buddy does not like the movie Captain Marvel. He said the entire movie to me just screamed, hey, look, I have a black friend. And I got a little of that because it, it didn't look like it didn't feel natural, like Smokey and the Bandit race relations felt natural. This felt more politically correct, like, OK, the best friend has to be blacked so that we show that we have multiculturalism. Whereas, like I said, the Warriors, the Warriors, that movie's fantastic. And it was black and white and there was an but it, it was it didn't feel like pandering. Everyone just well, all right. was. Well, let, me, let me let me come at this from a different direction. Sure, sure. I, I do agree. And we've with really you, though, started talking about the religion thing by <laughs> talking know, about the warriors. I know, and here we are. But like, I mean, I know there's. A, I read an article once about the magical Negro and all that stuff, and also the black friend. We talked right? about that like, here. We did, and there's a big thing with the black friend because the black friend liberalizes the white character without having them actually have to do anything right? they don't have to do make any like liberal overtly liberal anything well liberal they, or they have a black friend okay let me interrupt i apologize mm-hmm. so not only liberal but mm-hmm. is it also just sort of a signal like oh that's a good person they have a black, you know like is that what it is oh they, right. they must be exactly. a good person because they have right exactly but it, all, it also shields them from having to take any stand any real liberal stances on anything right from Right. And still, uh, like, you can attract a liberal and a conservative audience, you know, what I mean? <laughs> by just giving your person a black friend, because then they don't have to like, then you never talk about abortion. Right. The liberals are happy and everyone goes, see, we're not racist. Like, everybody's happy by that one move, that one right. motion. Anyway. Um, and I fucking feel like I lost my point that I actually wanted to talk about. Tell me what you said, and it will lead me back to it. I don't remember. I, we we had started. We were going to talk uh, about the loss of religion in America, oh, and somehow oh, we ended up on oh, race. No, <laughs> we're, we're talking about uh, and TV shows. The, uh, the, the other way it happens. So, all right. So, I, I love watching these these like stupid cop procedural shows, right? Where like the cops always figure out the crime in the last minute. You know, yeah. some shit I inherited from my mother because she. We used to read Agatha Christie novels, and I basically watched the equivalent of that. All the Law and Order type shows are like the equivalent of like an Agatha Christie novel to me, you know. So I watched some of these things, and there's like all the everybody's there. The obligatory everyone is this is the squad room. It's this this team of people, right? And when something happens, they're in LA. So when something happens in the Spanish neighborhood, 
the Latinx neighborhood. Is that what we're supposed to say these days? No, that's gone. The the la- the the Latino community Latinx. said Latinx is the dumbest goddamn thing they've ever heard. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm so glad. Yeah. So thank you, Latinos. When it's like some kind of Latino gang, the Latino guy's always like, oh, like when it's a Latino kid who something happens to him, he cares a lot. And everybody else feels bad for him because something happened to one of his people, right? And then something happens to a little black girl and the black couple's like, ah, and he's ready to beat up the suspect. And he can't, and I was like, oh my God, something happened to one of his people. And I was like, right. It looks liberal, but it's conservative as shit because it's somehow implying that you don't have to care about people who don't look like you. And that's not what it's saying, but it's saying like, you know what I'm saying? I do. And the reason I laughed, I'm not laughing at what you're saying. What popped into my head is I always fucking hated this movie. I just thought it was so cheesy and bad, but I thought of Matthew McConaughey going, and now pretend she's right. white. And I'm just like, right. oh, exactly. for fuck's sake. I mean, just, I thought it was so corny, exactly. the entire movie. And then right. I got to that point and it's supposed to be delivered like, oh, just, just knock it off. And so many people were touched right. by it, like, oh my goodness. Right. But I mean, but the reality is, is that as cheesy as it was. It worked. It made a hundred some plus has, million dollars. Made I mean, him a star. But he has a, but he has a point because. Yeah, he did. Like. Like as much, like as ridiculous as it is, he has a point, right? Like like we're trained by all the stuff we see to care about certain things. That's what I mean. Like our belief system is based on a bunch of stuff. It's not true, right? It's not, like, you know what I mean? Like half the stuff that we believe. Oh, there's someone fertile. Did you hear that? The lawnmower outside. I'm like, who's mowing their lawn? But I guess it's a fertilizer company in my yard. Sorry, I apologize. (laughs) Always something. Last um, week it was a cat. No, that was two weeks ago. There was a cat, stray cat running around outside. This week it's a loud. Anyway, I I just interrupted you. I apologize. I was just so taken aback. It was so loud here. Well, I, you know, I don't even know what the fuck we're even talking about. No. Well, let's, (laughs) we're, we're, we're running up on an hour. We're getting close. Um, Let's try and focus a little on the religious thing because. I thought it was funny when I read the article that fewer people are going to a house of worship these days than ever before. What I found funny is if I had read that even up to five, 10 years ago, 10 years, I would have like, you know, I would have pulled a Nelson from the Simpsons. <laughs> you know, I <just> like <laughs> <laughs> now that I'm older, I, I still, I'm, I'm, <laughs> torn there's a good chunk of me that thinks it's a good thing i mean i really despise the the religion that goes so hard where it's yeah gay is bad yeah women's health is bad you know male supremacy and a lot of religions now this is where i will use a blanket statement because this is not uh, exclusive to christianity a lot of religions have problems with sexism and racism and um homophobia so there's a good chunk of me that, that really, but there's another side that realizes when I was in college and I donated my time to a food pantry, that food pantry was in a rectory basement, uh, or is the basement just called the rectory? It was just, it was in a church basement. Um, the food pantry I donate to today, I always buy an extra item or a extra something or other at the store and put it in a bag. When the bag is full, I take it to the food pantry. That's, that's my, you know, liberal guilt that I try to assuage. Um, 
it's at a church. It's it's at a church here in town. That's the only Does food pantry in town. Does it assuage your guilt? Do you feel better? Uh, no, I still do okay. it though. Um, I still, I just like, I know I'm a horrible person that is going to hell. So I figure, you know, I'm trying to bump myself back into coach as, as opposed to the first class I've always lived in on the, on that train to hell. Um, yeah, the, the, there are religions that are taking in refugees to the border. There are, there are churches and, and ministries that, that supply the blankets and, and try and find housing for, I mean, religion can do a lot of good. And, and I yeah. used to just blanket statement as, oh, they're all anti-gay, fuck them. And now I'm torn because you have the Sarah Palin religious type, which to me is not religion, um, or the evangelicals who supported Trump. And then you have the genuine, like like our friend Michael that was on many, 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 many weeks ago um, mm-hmm. and seemed like that is what Christianity should be. That is what a follower of Christ should be someone that took Christ's message at face value. Christ said, do not worship me, emulate me. And the best Christians emulate and the worst ones go, oh, well, he said, don't worship him. We should set up a church and, you know, take money and, and you know, pay off. It, it, they do the exact opposite. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you 100%. <clears throat> I think that uh, it's, it's an interesting dilemma because it's true. There's a similar argument I've had with many atheists and now, I say that because I don't know where I stand in the mix. You know, we've talked about this before. But, like, I've said this many times. I've played in many churches. And I was the music director for a, of a church for many, many years. And some of the nicest people that I met were there. And this was in a very, it was in a, an upper middle class white neighborhood that was largely Republican. So, most of the friends I made there were Republicans. You know what I mean? I'm not, I would say Republicans, they were conservative. Yeah. And, and I liked them. They were all very, very nice to me. I liked them all very, very much. I felt a genuine warmth from them. We disagreed politically. This is pre-Trump when you could disagree politically with people, yeah. you know, and still and not be considered insane. With, right. Somehow still be friends with them, you know, and, and I would think, right, like every year they did a coat drive where people would, were supposed to bring in either brand new or barely used coats to take to people who were going to be freezing to death. And they constantly were doing food runs and send, they were constantly sending the kids off to build houses with people and places where they were really poor, sending these kids off to live there for like like a month and do real fucking work. Like, you know, like real fucking work. The food pantry here has a thing with coats also. They aren't doing it during the pandemic, but I just, what you said is because they're religious, they're very kind about it. They're there, but they, they sort of say in the most loving way manner, Hey, don't just give us your shit clothes that you just don't want to, you know, know what to do with. If you're going to give a coat, make sure it's a nice coat. We're we're not your dumb. I mean, and that's, but because that's what, I hate to say, that's what goodwill is. It's it's like, I'm done with this. Let's just give it to goodwill. Um, And yeah, so when, when you say your church or the church goes out of its way to say, let's do a new or lightly used coat. I mean, it's putting in an effort now. And, and again, there's no 100% because at the same time, there is the Catholic church that paid untold millions of dollars to cover up pedophilia. I mean, it's, it's like, and, Absolutely. Let's not even and, go then down there, that path, and, then but... there, and then there's also Catholic nuns who 
who were amazing teachers and taught people who became great. And then there's there's the the Jesuits who have their schools where some really smart people come out of it. Yeah. And there's probably and there's priests who are phenomenal people yep. who have been, you know what I mean? Like like this is the problem is what we we're talking about earlier. You have to choose what you're gonna be okay with. Well, like okay. you just so have let me to go back to um, where the hypocrisy is because there's going to be some. Always. It's also something you have said in the past when it comes to when we talk about race relations or anything, you know, you, you or, or nothing is a monolith. Yeah. Even religion is not a monolith. It nothing to blanket statement right. anything is incorrect right. because everything has good and bad. And it's just a matter of extremes. Like you said, yeah. uh, back Republicanism before Trump, when you could disagree, but still get along, um, you know, today, everything, everything seems to be an extreme. Either you, it's, it's difficult yeah. to see, to say, I see some good aspects of the church. What about the boy fucking? All right, we'll see. I'm not talking about that aspect. I'm talking about the food pantry. I mean, it's, that's why I say it's complicated. You had asked me a while ago, <laughs> less religion, fucking great. Good. We need less religion. Today, I find that it's the extremes I like less. I don't like the the extreme religious that are out there and like protesting abortion clinics and um, telling certain people they're going to hell, uh, be it their sexuality or just for any reason. I think you're a sinner for whatever reason. I don't like those people at all. At the same time, I ha I know I have friends that are wonderful people that are Christians that are completely tolerant, that understand, you know, choice, that understand sexual orientation. Yeah. And so I yeah, can't, I it's, it's difficult to, you can't blanket yeah, I know, statement. I know, anything. I know plenty of intolerant people who aren't religious. Don't yeah. ever go to church. Right. Yeah. <laughs> plenty of them. <clears throat> I mean, I think that again, it comes down to what we initially started talking about though. I think that relationships, is this about a relationship yeah, with God? <laughs> it is. Well, partially, yes, yeah. oddly enough. But but I feel like we have gotten a we have given we put we put our identity that used to be wrapped up in what religion we are, right? It really was an important thing, right? Like a, a, a cross religion marriage, even among Christian sects, was considered like an interracial relationship you know what i mean like well, our buddy you know, um like i won't name shit, him our college you know? friend married into judaism and he came from a southern baptist tradition even though he wasn't and that was looked at with a little suspicion right like that was just like what are you crazy but yeah, yeah i mean i can remember baptists and protestants are trying to get together and people are like oh my god what is or catholics or somebody else it's just like it was like absurd. It was unheard of. That's I, I remember being a kid and not uh, understanding really the line in the Blues Brothers where they uh, they I found their, their they they pissed off the the Illinois Nazis. They drove through the parade, and so the yeah. Nazis want revenge, and they say um, we discovered where Jake and Elwood live. And I can't remember the line that precedes it, but they say oh something something, and the guy goes even worse. He's a Catholic. And I'm like, <laughs> Nazis hate Catholics? Like, I just, I, it was just so odd that, that but yeah. Uh, yeah, that's some funny shit. But yeah, I, I think now, I mean, it's funny because we talk about identity politics, but we've always had it, right? Like, it used to be about See, That's really the race. new religion, not relationships, but politics. Right, but it's like, but it's politics, it's 
relationships, it's Facebook, it's Twitter, it's all these things, again, that reinforce who it is we think we are or who we want to be perceived as. And it used to be church did a lot of that. Right, like where you went to church did a lot to to talk about your identity. And now all these other things have taken its place. But the identity politics have always been there, right? They almost haven't changed. Even the the fighting and the talking about it and all that stuff, it's just we pick different, different battle lines all the time. But the fights are still there, you know what I mean? Like they really are, like... And it's just, I think, um, I think it's just that the fights are more visible now because, I mean, you would never, ever in your life have a, you know, 10 way phone call where people just argued with one another. Now you jump on Facebook or Twitter and you just have a thread of people fighting. (laughs) Right. right. And because of the anonymity of it, they can say some of the most vicious things that they'd never say to your fucking face. You know what I mean? Like, never. You want to talk about, like, what we talk about, if people said the kind of things I say to myself in my head, I'd fucking punch them, I'd kick them in the neck. If if people talk to me in real life the way people talk to me on Facebook, I'd punch them in their fucking face. Oh, I saw... Are you kidding me? I saw the best TikTok. Um, It it was... uh, It's two dogs separated by a fence, and they are just barking at each other. And one of them is just baring his teeth and they are, they look vicious as shit. And someone put the label of arguments on Facebook and then they open the fence and the dogs just sort of freeze. And they're just sort of like, go, you know, like look around and then they close the gate again and they go back to barking. And, and it was, and when they open the fence, it says arguments in real life. And then he cl- so it's 30 seconds of this. The guy just keeps opening and closing the gate and the dogs literally go from viciously barking. And the instant they have the opportunity, they're like, nope, just going to sit here. And they wait until it is closed again to go nuts. It's hilarious. It's a great video. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. Yeah, man. All right. Did we resolve anything today? Maybe. I think I think we solved the world's problems again. Yeah. I mean, I I, I think I think it's actually interesting, though. I do think that um, the religion identity thing and lack thereof, because it comes with a certain set of problems, right? Like we could get rid of religion because religion might be in a certain way an outdated way of doing a certain thing, right? I agree. Like, okay. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. But like, because I, because like you're saying, it does a lot of good and it instills a lot of morality and a lot of stuff. It also encourages a certain kind of tribalism, you know? Yeah. And it we, does, and it I does good. It does bad. Have, and can we have one world religion? Is that possible? Right? Like, how do you, how do you do that with, with, with with systems that are thousands of years old well not just that you know I, mean? I don't know how that do you, you need one it's it's that, it's the know? problem is to me the the i don't know how to put this not the pawns but not not the peasants but when you see really truly great religious leaders not just religious leaders but really good ones like you would see bishop tutu um mm-hmm. conferring with the dalai lama and they would get along right. or with with a, right. a Muslim imam and they would all sit oh, around. That's true. That's and even right. when you see I mean, a, a, a rabbi and an imam that yeah. say that that get along and talk like these, they don't get involved in the whole, you know, Israel, Palestine, real kerfuffle. I'm not 
trying to diminish that uh, that that problem. But I'm saying that they don't say I am Jewish, you are Muslim. Now we must hate each other because of that. But when you see really good religious re leaders saying I happen to be Jewish, my friend happens to be Muslim, we are both trying to find a path of God and I respect, you know, like they understand that there are different paths to the same finish yeah. line. And yeah, I like that absolutely. aspect. I think all too often we get caught up in the my way is right, your way is wrong bullshit. I think you're absolutely right. I think that that's what we need. And it's true. Most of the most of the, the people on a high level, they do tend to get along with each other because they because there's many paths you know, to get to the same destination, you know, there's many yeah. paths. So, yeah, that's what that, but yeah, I mean, that being said, like what you said is right. Like, I feel like religion does do certain things that are really good. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it, like, as much as I think it might be an outdated way of doing things, I don't know how else to instill in mass numbers of people how to behave properly. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you see what what do the streets look like in, in, in a world without religion and stuff like that's fucking madness. You know what I mean? They maybe would still be going on with that with religion because that that looks like madness too, right? What <laughs> people are doing in the name of their gods? Like I guess it's all madness now that I say it out loud. It anyway, is. It, let's, life let's is madness. I was. You said uh, they're all different paths, <laughs> and uh, made me think I was going to try to tie it all the way back to the beginning, just like there are many different paths to your final happy relationship. You exactly. just have to go through the breakups to get there. See how yeah. I did that? It's back where Indeed. we started. It's called a full circle. Indeed. Indeed. Well done, sir. All right. Barrett Ants, our good one, is going into the studio as the musical director of the Katie Henry Band, going to start recording yeah. that uh, album. So look for him at antargoodwin.com. Uh, look for Katie Henry and the band at katiehenrymusic.com. Mm -hmm. I am at nathantimmel.com. And because I'm very bad at what I do, I still have no landing page for my most recent book. So you, could, you don't go to nathantimmel.com and see. Which is fantastic, by the way. What's that? What? Which is fantastic, by the way. Your new book. Oh, fantastic. thanks. I was just going to say um, yeah. that... Uh, I, I had said originally that I think it's uh, more geared towards women. And I still kind of believe that because my wife's friends are going nuts. Like they are posting like shit on Facebook about it. Like I'm this far. I'm like, they are really liking it. But at the same time, I'm getting more men saying they like it. I got a great compliment. My buddy, Chad, um, told me and then posted it on Facebook. He said, I haven't read a book since high school because that's when I was forced to. I bought Nathan's book just to be a nice guy, like just to support my friend. I'm like, well, I own the fucking thing. So I read the prologue. My friend Chad read the prologue, liked it so much that he was like, wow, I, he started talking about it at breakfast. So his daughter stole the book. Then his wife stole it. So those two are fighting over it. And he's like, I bought the goddamn thing. I want to read it. I haven't read a book since high school. But yeah, he liked the prologue so much that he's like, I'm actually going to read this. But now he can't. So... I, people seem to like this book. It's called We Are 100 and it's That's on Amazon fantastic. and I'll put a thing up now. So, yeah, all right. Thanks That's for listening. Awesome, Eric, good seeing that your face. You, yeah, you too, man. Good to see you.